The following is a hockey podcast out of Vancouver and Surrey, British Columbia. It'll only consist of a lot of puck talk and even more BS, or in actual words, banter and satire. Enjoy and as always, go Canucks go. So many good things you could say about these Vancouver Canucks right now, and it's about damn time that you and I felt that way. But we're, what we're going to talk about today is Philip Hronik. Should he be a contender for the Norris? We think so. And we're going to tell you why coming up next here on Locked On Canucks. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, has a Monday ever felt so good? Because it feels pretty nice this morning here on Locked On Canucks. My name is Trevor Beggs, co-host of Locked On Canucks, and also a Canucks writer over at Daily Hive Vancouver. And before we dive into the show today, we got to thank you, yes you, for tuning into Locked On Canucks. It's your team every day. Go make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. I also got to let you know, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 buckaroonies off your first purchase. Coming up on today's episode, a little Philip Hironic talk because, you know, Hughes and Pedersen rightly belong in that MVP conversation right now. And while Hughes might be the leader for the Norris, there's another Canucks defenseman who deserves some love in that regard. We're also going to touch on the Canucks Goats of the Week in our weekly power rankings where we list the five most impactful Canucks over the last week of games. And we'll wrap up by previewing a battle between the NHL's two most surprising teams in the Canucks and Oilers here on Monday night. But before we do that, I got to introduce my co-host, someone who I'm sure had a good weekend just like me because your Vancouver Canucks are 8-2-1. Kyle Bowen, what's going on, brother? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, this weekend actually delivered something that I've been waiting for for a very long time, and that's having the Canuck group chat. Yes, I have one of those things uh, that originated from uh, probably a Facebook group chat way back in high school. Anyways, uh, that group chat got, got together for a Canuck game on a Saturday night. And throughout our 20s, I literally don't think we did that once because the moment we did have a chance to do so, we were in COVID protocols. So that was the first time we got together to watch a Canuck game that actually mattered. Think about that. Anyways, Kyle Bow and Trevor Beggs talking Philip Roenick on this episode of Locked On Canucks. Man, oh man, uh, no more 420 episodes. Is that because we got banned from promoting 420? No. It's because um, our moms, yes, our moms go to work early and they want to listen to us. They want to listen to us talk about these Canucks, man. My, my mom always says, man, I'm a Canucks fan only because... When I was, I don't know if it was when I was being conceived. Like, I don't know if my parents were making love during the Canuck game or while I was in her stomach. She always claims that she's the biggest reason why, again, I'm addicted to the Vancouver Canucks. Hey, fair enough. And, uh, you know, my parents are the reason I'm addicted to the Canucks. So shout out to my mom and dad. Uh, My mom also uh, caught something in a Rick Talk interview where apparently he likes going for walks with his players, which I I missed. So shout shout out to my mom for giving me that. I I missed that. It was on after hours. I did miss it. Let let me, let me, uh, no, I don't even think it was on after hours. I think it was during one of his conversations on the radio or something because he talked about Tyler Myers. He talked about Myers after struggling against Tampa Bay, I think. I think it was the Tampa Bay game or... Uh, the Nashville game. He talked to uh, he talked to uh, Talk it after the game, and they went for a walk the next morning. Hmm. Think about that. Think about that. But enough about Tyler Myers. I want to talk about Philip Aronik, and I know you're going to go on a spiel. Uh, but before you do so, how could we not say sorry and that we were major wrong? You know, if uh, if you've been here from the jump with Begsy and I, our, our first day on the job was the day of the Philip Aronik trade, and I almost quit. I almost quit on that day. 
because it felt very Jim Betting-esque to make a trade that involved yeah. first-round picks and third-round picks for a guy coming from Detroit. And uh, it, it made no sense because I barely heard about that guy before. Why is Detroit trading this guy? And fast-forward all these months later, and keep in mind he was also injured coming off of surgery or just a major injury at the time. But anyways, uh, months later, he's... I'm going to say this. I don't think we're talking about this enough, but he's the biggest reason why Quinn Hughes, on top of Quinn Hughes, you know, just being so alpha. But, yeah, he's the biggest reason why Quinn Hughes is having the year he's having. Yeah, he's definitely playing a factor there, although I, I will give Quinn Hughes some credit. Like, the guy, you know, aside from Hronik, just looks more explosive, looks more confident. Obviously, he's shooting the puck more. But there has to uh, be a correlation. On... There has to be a correlation, man. Like, there is a correlation. From There's Luke a correlation Shen, for sure. Luke Shen to Hronik is... I don't know, something for his confidence, his psyche is is paying dividends. Anyways, Bagsy, take it away. Okay, so I know Quinn Hughes again. He is the favorite for the Norris Trophy right now, but I do think Philip Peronik deserves some love for being in that conversation. So right now, if you look at league scoring and defensemen, Philip Peronik is tied for third in scoring among defensemen so far with 11 assists in 11 games. But it's not only that, it's his defensive impact at the other end of the ice uh, that's worth noting as well. Uh, only um, Jacob Slavin has been on the ice for fewer shot attempts uh, attempts against per 60 Whoa. among NHL defensemen in a shutdown role. Um, it was only Slavin and Hughes, I should say. Uh, Quinn Hughes is up there as well. But Hughes and Hronik have been the best pairing in the league so far. And while, like you said, Kyle, Hronik has propped up Hughes' game, Hughes has propped up Hronik's game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in terms of the Norris, uh, if this continues throughout the season, that's going to be the bias, right? Is that, oh, it was Quinn Hughes propping up Philip Hronik. But I think this guy deserves some love on his own. I mean, you see this guy in the defensive zone. He's smothering with the puck. Uh, he's getting all over the opposition. I mean, there's a reason why the Hughes and Hronik are getting scored on. It's because they don't allow a lot when they're on the ice together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some of the, the nerds out there, the fancy stat guys will point to their, you know, their PDO being pretty high, which is kind of an indicator of luck. Because uh, a lot of pucks are being stopped when they're on the ice. And Philip Hronik is rocking a PDO of uh, 1.09 right now. Uh, but at the end of the day, the guy's been so good, so rock solid at both ends of the ice. And you know, I've watched a good amount of NHL hockey this season. I haven't seen a lot of defensemen out there as impactful as Philip Pronick. So if I'm looking at you know the Norris conversation early on, Pronick is easily in my top ten. Um, I think you know Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, Shea Theodore, Adam Fox, uh, Miro Heiskinen. And Philip Peronik. Like, those are probably my six, I list six guys, but my six candidates for the Norris right now. But again, the fact that the Canucks got two of those guys on the same damn team is something else, man, because it's been a long time since this has ever happened. And the one other thing I'll I'll point out is that, you know, I kind of did some digging back on Norris voting. And, you know, one of the only times where I think the Canucks had two defenders who were received Norris votes. It was back in 2010, 2011, where Erhoff finished eighth in voting and Ham Hughes finished 16th. Wow. But uh, we might be witnessing not only, you know, the best defensive pairing we've ever seen in the Canucks history, but maybe two of the best defensemen in this franchise's history right Whoa, now. Oh, dude, the last part is just an aggressive thing. That's probably the best pairing. It's probably like they're on, they're on their way to being that good and also just that needed, you know. I mean, they played, like, Heronic, I think, played 25 minutes again on Saturday. Like, again, yeah. Two weeks ago, I said it. These guys are going to play 27, 28 minutes a game at one point during the stretch. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they play Vegas. And, you know, I know it's in the regular season, but those guys, again, get up to uh, that amount of minutes uh, during their ice time. Um, uh, one thing about Heronic that does stand out to me, and I think you made a, 
a really good comparable. Maybe you didn't mean to do so, but you brought up the name uh, of uh, Jacob Slavin. They they kind of seem identical to me. If I I don't know if I'm tripping out. They kind of seem close in every regard. And there's been two cases this year already where I've had to stop the Canuck game just to either text Trevor or call Trevor and be like, dude, I think the Canucks are good. And I think the biggest part of why I'm kind of changing my narrative for the Canucks whole season this season, like can this team now win around in the playoffs is because of Philip Ronick. And I think he's got this swagger to him. I think the way he's playing right now is is showcasing that he knows he's playing with a good defenseman and Quinn Hughes. He knows he has a an expiring contract, and he has a lot to prove, too. Like, he's been traded once in his career. I think he wants to prove to the NHL that he's damn good at hockey, and he's doing a great job at proving that point early on this season. And I'm, again, confident that he's going to be able to carry this on throughout the season. And we did mention this, I think, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, that Hironic would be our biggest X factor. And when we agreed on that, I didn't think it would pay this much dividends. And man, oh man, the Canucks are a way, way better team. Yes, because of guys like Miller, Patterson, and Quinn Hughes elevating and Thatcher Demko, but because Philip Peronic, who Detroit gave up on, like you don't give up a guy, on a guy like this, is someone who elevated too. And <laughs> we're blessed, dude. We're blessed. Kyle, you're right. We are blessed. Uh, and also probably a bit surprised with how effective Pronick's been because you mentioned off the top, our first day here doing Locked On Canucks, March 1st, 2023. We did a bonus episode recap in the trade. And you're right at the time. I think our emotions were mixed, but fairly negative. No, they weren't like mixed. Said, they weren't mixed, bro. They were negative. They were negative. Most of the market was because we're talking about Philip Pronick. It's not as if uh, this guy was A, on the trade block and B, someone super notable, someone that you would give up like premium draft capital for a team that didn't even prove that they could get out of the, the lottery department of the draft. It's just like, dude, relax. Like this is a trade you'd at minimum make for like Jacob Chickering or something, you know? And we got Philip Pronick. Yeah. Well, and, and while I say this was, you know, mixed but mainly negative, I think the mixed part was that at the time of the trade, Philip Peronik was playing the best hockey of his career. And I know I, I kind of said this on yeah. the program that, well, it was a steep price for sure. The Canucks, you know, didn't get him for pennies on the dollar. They they paid a good price to get him a first and a second round pick. Um, but again, it was like, are you trading for a guy who at the time in Detroit was, you know, over a half point per game, really solid defensive impacts at the ice? Or are you trading for the guy who he's been the previous three to four seasons where mm. he's been a defensive liability who, yeah, he can produce some offense, but can he actually play defense in a shutdown role? And Philip Pronick just hadn't proven that over a long body of his career, but man, oh man, he comes to Vancouver and he looks even better than he did before. <laughs> and kind of like we said at the top, there's something going on with Hughes and Hironic. It's funny because it was a bit of a break glass in case of emergency option. But those two are just yeah. so, so dominant out there right now. And Oh, my God. Man. There's going to be a low with this team at some point, but it's hard to see this pair really regress that hard. I mean, again, we talked about PDO being high, um, but just you, you could throw all the fancy stats out the window. Just the way that they defend and play the game is uh, really, really high end, and they've both been two of the best defensemen in the league oh, so yeah. far this season. Oh, yeah, man. I don't, I don't see these guys being split apart at all, and it is so surreal to think about a— the Canucks start in general, but B, the fact that I don't even think these guys got like one preseason game together, one preseason shift together. It was literally the last minute to play in training camp. They're like, you know what? Cole McWard, <laughs> no. <laughs> we were close to that. We were close to that. We were stressing out during the preseason. 
because it was coming to that. Quinn Hughes, his captaincy, a big year for him. Uh, he's tired of losing, and here you go, man. Play with uh, Cole McWard. And that didn't happen in Philip Ronick. Just a huge part of this team's success and him being able to gel with uh, Quinn Hughes. And I'm not going to say Quinn Hughes is a hard player to play against, but there is a role that you got to hone in on and you got to do things differently so you can allow Quinn Hughes to do his thing, you know? And Quinn Hughes does so many things that playing that role that Hironic has to play could kind of be quote-unquote paralyzing, but I feel as if he's been able to, A, do a little less, but also at the same time somehow do more. Like, he just, uh, I, it goes back to the swagger. This dude is a confident player, a really confident player, and so much so that he's continuing to not talk to the media. <laughs> no, that's, that's like, you know, that's like, true, it's yeah. one thing to do it in Detroit. Again, they love hockey, hockey town. Once, it, 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 I'm sure it's not the easiest to avoid the media there too, but to do that in Vancouver, especially when you've been one of the biggest pieces to the puzzle, why this team is feeling good, why, you know, Friends are getting together to watch games again. Why the Canucks are cool again and you still don't talk to the media is is super fascinating. And like seven months ago, we're kind of like, what the hell? That That's kind of negative, right? But at the end of the day, he's just being himself, staying true to himself. And whatever works for you, brother, don't talk to us. Don't talk to us. We don't know yeah, anything. Fascinating. <laughs> again, I, I wrote about it when Heronic was traded to Vancouver, but it actually went two years without speaking to the media in Detroit. I know COVID and everything, but that's that's damn impressive. I mean, Detroit's not, you know, a, a quiet hockey market. It is one of the more uh, passionate hockey markets out there. Um, let us know in the comments again what you think about Phil Heronic. Does he belong in the Norris conversation? Yeah, I know it's early, um, but I, I would say, again, Phil Heronic probably, you know, top six, seven in that Norris conversation right now. On the other side, we're going to get to our Canuck Goats of the Week, listing the five most impactful Canucks of the past week. Before we do that, I got to ask you, have you ever been stressed out by buying tickets at the last minute? I'm a big last minute deals guy, and I found that the best place for killer deals at the last minute is game time. You know, game time, they got my back. I get these emails from Nicole at game time, and she's always teasing me with concerts and events this week in my area. Not only are those weekly emails a tease, but GameTime also offers me flash deals on last-minute tickets. What's even better than that is that they have a lowest price guarantee along with event protection cancellation. Hey, Kyle, I know you're a big Travis Scott guy. Well, guess what? You can go find some Travis Scott tickets right now on GameTime. So make sure you snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, okay, you're back on another episode of Locked on Canucks. My name is Kyle Bowen. More importantly, that right there is Trevor Beggs. Uh, but more importantly than that, this is the show where we give you your Canucks every day. Subscribe, hit the like button if you are enjoying the episode. And if you didn't, don't do it, okay? Don't lie to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Save the world with one less lie at a time. Uh, man, oh man, Philip Ronick proving us wrong. Uh, another guy proven, proven me wrong, and I know you're about to get to the GOATs of the week, and a part of me feels as if you don't have him in your top five this week, is Brock Besser. And I'm just riding the wave, okay? I'm riding the wave. I feel as if Brock Besser played his best game, best game in years. And I know he scored four goals 
in game one of this season. But I think Brock Bester shot the puck like 20 times in the last game on Saturday. I think the exact number was 14. I think four hit the net. But I feel as if that's the type of energy that we've been missing from this guy, a.k.a. him taking on the responsibility of being one of those guys and not just being a complimentary piece. So if he can elevate and tap into that swagger and again, think of himself as somebody that can be on the same page as like a Pedersen, Miller, and Hughes when it comes to being that important every game. Man, oh man, this team's going to get a lot better. Again, Brock Bester, is he no longer a complimentary piece? Maybe because I just saw him play his best game in a long time on Saturday. Am I tripping out? Because, again, he just looks really cocky right now. And that's what we need. Yeah, best game in a long time. That's I think we're kind of grasping that straws a bit because I do think Bester has played, you know, in general, his bet, the best hockey of his mm-hmm. career. Like, this isn't rookie season Bester. This is a new and improved version of Besser. Mm-hmm. This is Besser in his prime. This isn't Besser, you know, struggling through uh, everything he's gone through over the past couple of years. This is a, a, a Besser without distraction, a guy who's in the best shape of his life. I don't want to cliche, but it's definitely true for Besser right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, to me, one of the biggest things about Brock Besser's game is last season, like, he was horrendous defensively. And I think both the eye test and the analytics matched up to that. Like, he wasn't covering guys. The Canucks were getting scored on constantly when he was on the ice. Like, it was actually one of the worst rates in the league mm-hmm. uh, in terms of goals against with Besser on the ice. But he looks, you know, polished defensively right now. And not only that, he's doing it on a line with Miller where they're playing against the best competition yeah. on a nightly basis. So, um, yeah, Brock Besser, you know, he's got two goals, four points in his last three games, um, shooting the puck a ton and, and playing well defensively is on top of it all. Yeah, man, it's... Uh... It's a good sight to see that, again, we're witnessing Brock gain a lot of confidence. And during that Dallas game, when I saw him take so many shots, I was questioning his thought process, too. Like, yo, should you have held onto the puck there? Should you just have distributed to Pedersen or Hughes? Like, chill out a bit. You're not that guy. But at the end of the day, I was like, damn. Now let's have this guy think that he's that guy. Like, let's add one more piece to the puzzle. And we talked about Heronic leveling up. Brock Besser, be dynamic, not just a great like. I, I'm I'm proud of him for being way better at the other end of the rink and being more complete. But if he can tap into, again, having that much swagger offensively, this team can take it to the next level. Look, look how I'm talking, man. We're, we're winning an extra round. Uh, don't blame me, okay? Don't blame me that I'm so horny over the Vancouver Canucks again. Trevor Bags and Kyle Bowen, wow. both both of us, both of us were conceived. Our parents were making love during a Canuck game, okay? That's, do the math. To track it back nine months ago, I don't know who they were playing, but don't blame us for getting super excited about the early start. Anyways, Begsy, I'm excited for this segment. Uh, your Goats of the Week. All right, the Canucks Goats of the Week. I'll rip through the first three right off the bat. I don't really think there's any surprises there. Uh, and Kyle, to your point, Brock Besser is not on this list. And I think it's not so much Brock Besser. It just speaks to how well mm-hmm. this team is playing right now. But again, if you disagree with any of my choices, let me know in the comments. Let me know your top five Canucks of the week. Let me You can let me know who you think I slighted. And maybe Brock Besser is one of those guys. But num- at number one, no surprise, I got Quinn Hughes. Eight <laughs> points in three games. That game against the Sharks, he tied a record uh, among uh, a, a de- Canucks defensemen historically with five points in a game. Only Jeff Brown had done that in the early 90s. Um, at number two, I have Elias <laughs> Petterson, seven points in three games. Uh, scored a couple bingos this week as well. Uh, three assists in the Sharks game. 
uh, scored against Dallas again. You know, right now, Hughes and Pedersen, we talk about Heronic being in, in the Norris conversation. I think soon enough, we're going to have to do an episode about how Hughes and Pedersen might be battling each other <laughs> for the Hart Trophy. Uh, that's, that's a little Canucks hype for you right here. Uh, and uh, number three, Thatcher Demko, who <laughs> might be the front runner for the Vesna uh, right now. This is just how well things are going in Vancouver. But Thatcher Demko last week, one shutout, nearly had two shutouts, won all three of his games, had a 966 save percentage. Again, he's the third best Canuck of the week. And the guy was lights out. I mean, I think he was, again, he was first star against Dallas. He was the reason we won that game yeah. because, you know, the Canucks played well, but so did Ottinger, right? I think it came down to Demko making, you know, one really, really big save, but just a couple more big saves than Ottinger made because um, Ottinger was was on his game that night as well. And mm-hmm. both goals that got past him would have had to be, you know, Demko level highlight real save. So, yeah. Um, Kyle, what do you think? Am I am I bang on there? Hughes and Pedersen battling for the heart and Vesna front runner for the Vesna right now? Or yeah. am I am I am I drunk off optimism? You're not drunk. You're just hard. If you know what I'm saying, bro. <clears throat> you're just hard right now, yo. Demko allows this team because it's it's pretty clear too that this team is bought in. I mean, Saturday was the biggest example of that. I was so impressed with how the Vancouver Canucks shift after shift were moving as a five team unit, and it's. You know, it's equated to, what, a 2 nothing win? It doesn't look that sexy, but you're playing the Dallas Stars, a pretty good team with some playoff experience. Like, they, they win games. They're one of the, like, they're in the top seven, top eight of Stanley Cup favorites. They're, they're a good team. They know what they're doing. They're on the cusp. You got to play games like that. It looked like a playoff game. And the only reason, the only reason, yes, we played good as a team and uh, we were moving the puck well on the power play, getting some momentum, and that second period was good, blah, blah, blah. But the only reason you come out on top of those games is when your goaltender is better than the other elite goaltender. And in some cases, that's going to happen because you got that your Demko, and he he looked solid, man. He looked really excited after that win, too. I think the whole team was 100 times more excited about that win than they were about that 10-1 win a couple of nights before. Yeah. And that, that doesn't bode well for McDavid and Dreisaitl tonight. Two guys who, you know, we going into the season were claiming to be players once again that would be competing against each other for the Hart Trophy. And that's why I think a big reason why we're (laughs) dreaming about Pedersen or Hughes winning that trophy actually being a thing this year is a thing. Those guys are, they're not, I wouldn't say struggling, but the team overall just sucks. Yeah, and and we'll touch on that in the final segment here on Locked On Canucks, your team every day i want to say one thing quick about thatcher demko before i wrap up the list thatcher demko has never had more than one shutout in an nhl season so this is the first time in his nhl career he's had multiple shutouts in the same season demko already has two shutouts Mm -hmm. uh through his six wins uh so far this nhl season so uh kudos to thatcher demko on you know really playing up to his potential and and even above that early on dude you know what's crazy man like he could have had three shutouts in his last four starts, and you have him. You yeah. have him as number three. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, this even goes back to you know the first. Uh, oh, sorry, that we've done. This is the third iteration of the Canucks Goats of the Week. Now, yeah, the first time we did this list, I had Demko at number one, where Hughes and Pedersen could have easily been number one. Both those guys were phenomenal to start the season for the Vancouver Canucks. But it's it's. It's I'm I'm uh, you're right, Kyle. I'm I'm giddy about this team right now. You know, we we'll talk about Edmonton in segment three, but. You look at that team where they have two guys, you know, who are always at an MVP level, but the Canucks got two guys in the MVP level. Then they got 
a goalie at a Vesna level. They got a front runner for the Norris. They got Miller. They got Besser. You know, there's so much to like about this team right now, but uh, it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on number four, Philip Peronik. He was the lead for the episode, uh, but he did have four assists in three games this week. And uh, again, only Hughes and Dakota Joshua had a better expected goals against for 60 average uh, this week for your Vancouver Canucks. Again, show, it's small shout out to Dakota Joshua for getting back in the lineup and having an impact. Obviously, he got an assist on the uh, the game-winning bingo on Saturday night. And at number five on the list, this is the most debatable one. I have Sam Lafferty, okay? Ooh. Who's laughing now about that trade, huh? Damn. We're laughing now because, you know, Sam Lafferty is ripping it up for your Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Sam Lafferty had two goals. He had three points in three games last week for the Canucks. And he also was making a big impact on the penalty kill. He had the best expected goals against among regular Canuck penalty killers last week. And this guy, you can see with his speed, his tenacity on the forecheck. And again, Kyle, it's, there's a lot of scar tissue with you and I in terms of you know the Canucks making bad trades over the past 10 years. But two trades today, Phil Peronik, Sam Lafferty, those are two trades that are working out really, really well for the Canucks. Again, prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. We're anti-Canucks fans, okay? We're traumatized. Sometimes we're going to get mad and say dumb things, and we're going to be, you know, not right a lot of times. Maybe that's not uh, right for our connection with the viewership. But, hey, the honesty does matter, and it's the truth. Prove us wrong, and Lafferty has proven us wrong. Uh, speaking of being wrong, I think you're wrong, dude. You got to give JT Miller credit every week on Go to the Week because he is he's the bus driver, man. His compete level is unlike no other on this team right now, and I'm surprised in saying that because I – I would put Pedersen on that boat every game, you know, but Miller just has showcased throughout 11 games that he's not taken anything other than maximum effort as an answer for what he wants to do when it comes to holding himself accountable. And uh, you talked about the heart, you talked about the Vesna, you talked about the Norris. Bro, JT Miller is a candidate for the Selkie this year. And I think that might be stamped even harder today well, after today, if he shuts down McDavid and Dreisaitl again, because he got that matchup in game one, which was a surprise. We, we're talking about Pedersen winning the Selkie, and in game one, Tockett's like, nah, Miller's the guy. We're going to do that, and I'm just really, really proud of JT Miller, and I think he had a quote after the game. I think I, I might have DM'd you about it. It came from a Ian uh, McIntyre interview, and he, I, I don't know if I'm paraphrasing, but he mentioned that that win on Saturday might have been the most excited he's been about a win with his time uh, as a Vancouver Canuck. Yeah, and you know, rightly so. It was a huge game, right? Seven two and one Canucks against seven one and one Stars. Uh, I got an uncle in Ontario who's always chirping me because he's a big Stars fan, and uh, it's it's nice to get the last laugh once in a while. Well, the Canucks have actually beat the Stars seven straight games. The Stars haven't beat the Canucks since what? 2019, which is a bit of an oddity stat. Um, again, JT Miller, he's always a candidate for Canucks Goats of the Week. You know, I look at it, uh, JT Miller at even strength, despite having you know a good week at four, four points, two goals, four points in three games. He was on the ice for one goal, four, one goal against at even strength. Sam Lafferty on the ice for four goals, four, and zero goals against at even strength. So Lafferty just, uh, you know, had a really big impact last week, and I wanted to show him some love here uh, for okay. the Canucks Goats of the Week. Who's in your bottom six, Edmonton? Oh, Let's go. man, bro. Begs, you bringing the heat. Okay, okay. Lafferty over Miller. That's how good we're feeling right now, okay? We laughing like that right now, and uh, I'm happy, man. If you're listening to this and you've gotten this far into today's episode, like, I don't think we're getting lucky. I think we're getting what we deserve, and it feels good. It feels good. I, I, you can't you can't lie to me and say you don't feel more like yourself because the Canucks are providing not just dubs, but wins the right way. 
Like, they're playing like a unit. And when they're playing like a unit and they're playing like they all love being Vancouver Canucks, you, yes, you, the listener of this, is feeling more like yourself. So be grateful, be happy, have a great week, and keep listening to Locked On Canucks, okay? You're Canucks every day. Uh, we got one more segment left on the show. We're going to wrap it up really really quick, okay? Early in the morning, a new time for the show. Uh, we're going to talk about that Oilers game again here on Locked On Canucks. Make sure you score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than now to get in on the action. A quick shout out to Kyle's Green Bay Packers. They did it. They did it. They won a game. They beat Brett Rippon and the LA Rams. Uh, talk about your fashion. team. Talk about your team. Yeah, it was it was a tough week. Tough week for yeah. the Seahawks, but uh, they'll no, bounce back. No, they'll no, bounce just back. say the score though. I just want to hear the score because I, I don't know. I don't know what the score uh, 37 was. Thirty-seven-three. Yeah, thirty-seven-three. Yeah, that was a rough one. It was a rough one. But you know, this Ravens team, though, they beat the Lions pretty hard too. The Lions are a good true. team, and the Lions bounce back too. So, I'm not worried about my Seahawks yet. Uh, come on, why do you do that, man? I just gave your Packers some love, man. Jordan Love got it done. Come on, Dude. unbelievable. Come on, I'm gonna make sure that I bet against the Packers next week, and I'm gonna do so on FanDuel, okay? Because the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, okay. We're back. We're happy. Another episode of Locked on Canucks about to wrap up. My name, Kyle Bowen. That right there is Trevor Beggs. But more importantly, yes, more importantly, this is the show that gives you your Canucks every day. Subscribe and hit the like button and uh, make Christmas better for both our families. And my girlfriend, like I said, man, I'm really trying to ball out this year for my girlfriend, man. She's a she's a great person, man. She's a great person. And uh, the more and more I do this, and that's, you know, take hockey way more seriously, the less and less I, like, I'm, I'm with her because I don't really... I don't really trust her, man. I don't really trust her, man. She, she's, she's mentioned a couple times that, she, yo, can I come over and watch the game with you? And I, I've had to say no because I'm choosing the people over her. And I got to really watch the game. And I don't trust her uh, allowing, uh, allowing me to be that observant, uh, you know, over a, a group of sweaty men. Uh, rather, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> over her. And she's a beautiful girl. So I get where she would be coming from. But, baby, you got to understand, yo. It's locked on Canucks, man. It's your Canucks every day, okay? It's not, it's not your man every day. It's your Canucks every day, okay? Yeah, I, I think you might have to wait to that point in your relationship where you, you know, you've been together a long time, you're living together. Because you know, I love it when, uh, when my wife wants to watch a Canuck game with me. And even on Saturday, she was like, "I'd love to watch the Canuck game with you, but I got to put our daughter to bed." And then our daughter's fighting, going to bed, fighting, fighting, fighting. And eventually, like, my wife and daughter come out and, and end up watching the third period of Stars Canucks. Yeah. I was down for it, man. I was down for it. I, uh, my daughter Everly's into the game. My wife's watching. Um, no, it was, it was a great family time, man. Even I, if, uh, you know, the, the girl was up way too, way, 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 way much later than she should have been. I got to, you know, I got to increase my my tolerance and, like, just improve my trust issues because, like, you know, I've been hurt in the past, and I don't know if I'm, like, I'm definitely not there yet, you know, bringing both my loves together in the same bedroom, you know, because my TV's in my bedroom too. So, like, there's the problem. A lot of bedroom talk, okay? Again, me and Trevor conceived during a Canucks camp. It's unbelievable. (laughs) A lot of us probably were. Anyways, speaking of Canuck games, 
Uh, we have a chance to bury the Edmonton Oilers today, and I can't believe we're talking about that. And I don't even think that's me being cocky. I'm just, I'm just being real, dude. Like, if the Canucks win today, what? We're 14 points ahead of them. For, would that be the number? Is my math correct? Would we be 14 points better than the Edmonton Oilers already after Game 12, or is it 12? Uh, do the math. Do the math. Oh, Trevor's doing the math in his mind right now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we would, we would be. Because we're eight, two, and one. So if we won, we'd be nine, two, and one. We'd have uh, 19 points on the season. And the Oilers, if, again, we beat them in regulation, would have five points. I mean, somehow the Oilers have had a worse start than the Canucks last year. The Canucks went 2-6-2 two, and two out of the gate under Bruce Boudreau in 2022-23. In, uh, uh, the Oilers are 2-7-1 and one right now. And, again, they drop another game to Nashville on Saturday night. They lose 5-3. They just can't get a stop from either of their goaltenders. I mean, Stuart Skinner rocking .861 save percentage. Jack Campbell, .873. Both these goaltenders got lit up by the Canucks uh, on the first game of the season, and then Stuart Skinner played a pretty poor game against the Canucks uh, during, the, during that 4-3 loss mm-hmm. uh, on, during the second game of the season where the Oilers outshot the Canucks, what, like 43-17 to 17 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if it really matters who's in that tonight. And both goalies have struggled against the Canucks so far this season, and historically both have struggled against the Canucks. I mean, Stuart, Stuart Skinner's save percentage against the Canucks in four starts is 84%. Uh, wow. Jack Campbell in five games against the Canucks is 87.8%. Wow. So neither of these goalies have been good against the Canucks. Neither of these goalies have been good this season. Again, the Oilers obviously got weapons. They're going to be a hungry team. We said this uh, for the Saturday night game a couple weeks ago. But the Oilers really need to start winning hockey games soon. I mean, Connor McDavid is not healthy. Uh, this is his third game back since missing two games with an injury. It's, you know, the Oilers are, are in big, big trouble if they don't start winning games here. They're already in big trouble. Um, but I, I imagine you're going to get a pretty thirsty, hungry Oilers oh, yeah. team tonight playing the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, again, the Canucks really set up their season on, on the wrong foot by you know beating them in the first two games of the year. Um, and again, this is a season where many thought, betting outlets included, showed to FanDuel that the Edmonton Oilers were a Stanley Cup favorite entering the season, and now they're one of the worst teams in the NHL. Dude, I, you know, I said it off the top of the segment, you know, the Canucks can, can bury the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Yo, maybe they already did so. Maybe losing to the Canucks... In that fashion, you know, eight to one, then having that like strong effort against them a couple days later, but getting getting robbed by Casey DeSmith was just just hard to swallow. They haven't been able to do so, or maybe it was because these guys have been trained. Like you know, I, I'm pretty sure they were building a farm in July as part of their uh, off season training workout in, in preparation to to you know win the Stanley Cup. I, I think everyone got to Edmonton really early this uh, this season and. All that jazz, and maybe they're fatigued. I don't know. It's it's uh, you know, I, I told my friend this on Saturday again. I watched the Canuck game with my homies, and it it was it was a time to talk about hockey. It's been ten years uh, since we've all gone together in the same room to talk about hockey. And I told them straight up, I don't hate I don't hate any teams in the NHL. It's been too long. The Canucks have been so bad for so long. There's no like bad blood. It's just over. That's just the way I am. Uh, maybe it's like the over Canadian in me, but I don't have any real hate. Uh, this all being said, <laughs> I'm petty. I'm super petty. Over the last couple of days, you know how much Edmonton Oilers recaps I've watched? And, you know, it's it's filling up my heart. Uh, there's no hate. This is just the evil in me, okay? This is my villain story. It's filling up my heart and my, and my, like, and my swagger seeing these guys just so confused. All these commentators, all these podcasters so confused about what's going on. And a big thing that is going on is not just the goaltending, but I don't, I don't think McDavid is completely healthy. I don't think no. McDavid's completely healthy, and I think if the Oilers like lose like three or four games, people are talking about 
people are talking about uh, their coach getting fired. Like, if the Oilers keep losing, I wouldn't be surprised if they just shut down McDavid. It's like it's a lost season. It's not worth it. That would be that would be crazy. Again, we got like seventy games to go in the season. But uh, to your point, Kyle, I mean, maybe the Oilers are going for another number one pick. They got they do a, they do a pretty good lottery lock, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let me tell you the teams right now that have fewer points and wins in the Edmonton Oilers, the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> That's the list. That's it. The Oilers with two wins are the second worst team in the NHL. The Oilers with five points are the second worst team in the NHL. This is a team with McDavid and Drysdale. We keep saying they're going to turn around at some point. Dear God, I hope it's not tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, predictions? You got any predictions? Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll just queuing up something else. Uh, um, you got you got any predictions for tonight? We never do this because I'm gonna. Man, I, I'm, I, honestly, I hate making predictions. This is where I start being a little superstitious. But uh, no, fair enough. Let me do it. Let me do it. No, you don't do it. Let me do yeah. it. Okay, you you because we need the good voodoo, and I'm not doing this to be cocky. I'm doing this because I'm seeing Philip Ronick elevate his game, and also I'm gonna bring up Brock Besser as well. I think the Canucks are going four one, and I think I think Brock is gonna score like two goals. I think he's gonna have one of his best games of his career, and it's really gonna start even something bigger for this Canucks organization. Yo, again, going into this episode, I didn't I didn't know I was going to say this, but I'm confident when I say I think the Canucks are going to be so good this season that they're going to be favorited to win a round. Maybe not to beat Vegas at all, like get close to that, because Vegas is elite, elite. But, damn, like, we're really going to impress Pedersen and sign him to an eight-year deal. Uh, speaking of impress, and this is the last note I will make, I just want to get this off my chest too, and I think... Wagner wrote about this. I've been very impressed with Connor Garland. Like, very impressed with Connor Garland and his effort level. I know he's still frustrated with his offensive output, but his effort level is, I wouldn't say second to none because a lot of people are trying hard on this team, but I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm just glad that he's been able to throw his frustrations to the side with the team overall and the trade requests and just bring it every night. And it does help this team win. Everyone's bought in. Everyone's bought in, and... I think Daniel Wagner said that Garland has the highest Corsi on the team. Hmm, which, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was looking it up on a weekly basis today. I wasn't. I haven't been looking it up uh, throughout the season. But I agree with you. I think Connor Garland again is, you know, playing good hockey. Isn't the points aren't there? Um, but every time the puck's on a stick, something's happening. And you know, he's a pretty smart guy in the defensive zone as well. Um, and I'll pull up for you quickly here. Only Hughes and Hironic have a better Corsi for in the Vancouver Canucks. So Garland mm-hmm. at 56.1% uh, shot attempt differential uh, leads all Canucks forwards. Wow. Um, so, yeah, he's he's been impressive this season, even if the goals haven't been there. And, and again, this guy's got to make his impact at even strength because he's not getting power play time except for, you know, some PP2 time. Um, and he's not on the penalty kill at all. So he's got to make his impact yeah. at even strength. And despite not scoring, you know, the puck is usually at the other end of the ice when Connor Garland is on the ice. Yeah, and I only brought up his name at the end of the show because I think he's going to score a goal tonight. Again, the Canucks are winning 4-1, and it may be the last game that that head coach, I think his name's Jay, I'm just going to call him Jay, uh, coaches for the Oilers. Again, the Canucks are going to bury the Oilers tonight. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. It, the writing is on the wall, and... The Canucks are going to keep it up, man. This 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 is a really important game for them too. I think they're taking it one game at a time. I think I think we're going to see like a, a pretty big winning streak here. I'm confident right now. Anyways, another episode of Locked On Canucks gone just like that. A new time for Begsy and I. Let us get uh, used to this because uh, <laughs> we've never done it this early before. I'm not a morning guy, you know. I don't I don't I don't get you know I don't get hard in the morning. So this is new to me. Anyways, Kyle Bowen, Trevor Beggs, Locked On Canucks, your team every day, aka your Canucks every day. Begsy, sign us out. 
All right, shout out to the everydayers, the occasional listeners, the first-time listeners, and especially the new subscribers. We love all of you, and thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Locked On Canucks. Coming up this week, we got you covered with the Oilers Canucks recap. Also going to preview a little Eastern Canadian road swing and talk about a couple Canucks prospects that are lighting up the the minor systems right now. Unbelievable stuff. Everything is sunny in Vancouver. We love it. And we hope you tune into the next episode of Locked On Canucks. But for now, I'm Trevor Beggs. That guy's Kyle Bowen. And you've been listening to Locked On Canucks.